Welcome to Bushwick. If I'd have to describe Bushwick first, we are on Canarsie Lenape land that has been colonized by settlers over and over. So there have been many cultures that have been a part of what is Bushwick today. When I grew up here, or when I came here and, and was growing up in Bushwick, it was predominantly Latinx. So, you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Ecuadorian, Mexican. Then early 2000s hit and art started coming up. <laughs> and, uh, and that started displacing folks because we know that a lot of art, a lot of times is weaponized by, you know, capitalists to make a profit. And in making that, they displace folks. Radio is a part of Paper Girl Brooklyn, a participatory art project bringing an interactive art experience to various communities around Brooklyn, centering resident voices and redistributing contributed art to the unsuspecting public. Paper Girl Brooklyn is taking place on the ancestral and unceded land of the Lenape. Paper Girl Radio is best experienced in combination with the art exhibition, taking place from October 1st to November 30th, 2020. Exhibitions will be installed in Bushwick, Flatbush, Coney Island, Sunset Park, Brownsville, Redwood, Greenpoint, and Bedstock. Welcome, listeners. This is Paper Girl Radio. I'm Sina Bazilahiki. And I'm Annie Dallero. Some of you may be joining by scanning the QR code on our installation on Mayday Space in Bushwick. Others may be joining us from elsewhere, but wherever you are, the installation is viewable on our website at www.papergirlbk.com Bushwick. At the top of the episode, we hear Patti Rodriguez, an artist and activist and member of Mayday Space. As someone who has grown up in Bushwick, she has seen the neighborhood change. Mayday Space is an incredible community organization that has been doing a lot of work for the community in general, but especially these last months. Also in this episode is Justin Lin, founder and director of BKC. BKC is a learning-focused creative community, and they've been supporters of Paper Girl Brooklyn since the beginning. When Megan Mackin and I founded Scene Collective, it was Lana Apisuk who connected Scene Collective with BKC, thanks to the both of them, which has allowed us to grow a beautiful community and create incredible programming. And it was through this programming that Annie and I met. So we asked Justin Lin, what is the importance of community? You know, the reason that it comes up so much in what I talk about with, you know, both my staff and amongst the people that I work with is it is what makes uh, our education worthwhile. The idea that you can uh, exchange ideas and, and really, you know, be honest with other people about something that you care about deeply. And that only enhances this idea of community when you can express yourself uh, in an open and honest way with the people around you. One thing that really inspired me to start BKC in the first place was the fact that, you know, an art education in America is just far too expensive. And it's, you know, it's hard to justify the price, especially if you're, you know, not necessarily making a lot of money uh, on your own, because the promise of making money afterwards is slim to none. There's really no promise. So, so it's a, it's a difficult thing to justify for a lot of people. And uh, so my desire to make something in a community setting was to make it an accessible thing that people wouldn't feel weird about or 
you know, un unwelcome or any way. I wanted to feel, everyone to feel welcome to, to come and, and, and do what was immediately satisfying to them uh, to learn about something that's not just about how to operate equipment, but really how to get in touch with your creative side, uh, let it out, play around, have fun, and meet some interesting people who also have some of the similar excitement and enjoyment for the same things that you do. Annie, didn't you take a class at BKC? I did, and that was just a fantastic experience. I had the chance to meet very, very talented people there, and it was just also an awakening of my creativity again. Oh, was it sleeping for a bit? I think so. Yeah, I feel like that was the reason. It was during the winter. It was my second winter in New York, and that was the way how I connected to the season and also was just a way also to connect to new people and with new feelings and a new way to discover this place in a different period of time. Mm, yeah, I think classes tend to do that. They'll like inspire you to kind of go in a different direction. And it also challenge you, which is always great to keep you going. So now BKC's in Bushwick which is a very creative community. Have you spent a lot of time there? Yeah, it's a really great neighborhood. I actually used to teach in a school across the street from where is BKC, and that gave me the opportunity to keep in contact and go to the talks that Scene Collective and BKC were organizing, and that's how this great community of creatives kept growing. Bushwick is definitely a very creative community. You can see it right away that there's a lot of artists, there's a lot of really interesting spaces there. And it's only in recent years that I've come to realize that despite good intentions, art can also impact a community negatively. Without enough tenant protections in place, developers profit off of the desirability of creative spaces by increasing rent and building luxury apartments that displace people. That is definitely a recurring theme in this program. Patti Rodriguez emphasized the importance of coming consciously into a neighborhood the need of people to integrate into a community and to get to know your neighbors, especially older neighbors, and to humanize the experience of living here. Being a good neighbor in a changing community is also something that Emmeline Payette, the artist we talk with later in this episode, echoed. Before we take you into the neighborhood by sharing the conversation between Justin Lynn and Patty Rodriguez, we want to first appreciate the art in front of us. The artwork we are displaying was collected during an open call for rollable artwork. Displayed are copies of the original pieces. The original pieces will be redistributed to the public on an unannounced day. The artwork is not for sale. Instead, it will be gifted at random to people going about their everyday lives in an action on bicycle. To quote Aisha Honiga, the founder of Paper Girl, you can't choose it, it chooses you. We feel that everyone should have access to art and that it shouldn't just be available to those with means, or just be available in galleries and museums. On the doors of the detached garage of Mayday Space in Bushwick Abbey is the work of eight artists who contribute to this project. And I'm in front of it and I can see a lot of light blue in this one. I also can see some dusty pinks, a lot of yellow, most are yellows, and I also see a few faces looking at me. A few pretty remarkable eyes. Some pieces you really have to get close to see the details in it. Especially this piece that has like a 
the head is actually a moon. I think that's like really interesting and I love it how it looks. For those who are listening from somewhere else, we recommend you to take a look at the photos of this installation on our website. We wanted to know how our contributing artists use art to make an impact. This is what Tres Gatos, an artist duo based in Guadalajara, Mexico, had to say. The power of printmaking allows you to share with everyone an idea or a call to action. I rely on the visual impact or the visual story I want to express or tell. Also, printmaking and urban art is a great way to communicate your ideas in a massive approach. Be part of the democracy of printmaking. Always create, stamp, paste and print your ideas no matter if you are at school, home or at the street. Collaborate with your community or neighborhood. Use the power of multiplication of prints and spread your mind on paper. El poder de la gráfica nos permite compartir con la comunidad una idea o un llamado al cambio. Yo me apoyo en el impacto visual o la historia que quiero contar o expresar. También la gráfica y el arte urbano son una gran manera de comunicar tus ideas de una manera masiva. Sé parte de la democratización de la gráfica. Siempre crea, estampa, pega e imprime tus ideas. No importa si estás en la escuela, en el hogar o la calle. Colabora con tu comunidad o tus vecinos. Usa el poder de la multiplicación de la gráfica y distribuye tus pensamientos en papel. We also wanted to share Molly's response. She's a social worker in a public defender's organization who, quote, moonlights as a printer. I love nature with all its beauty, harshness, and surprises. Our world contains a lot of pain, and we are constantly being inundated with it, from the media to walking down New York City streets to our own troubles and anxious minds. I feel this acutely, and while much of my life is devoted to social justice work, I use printmaking as a place to slow down and appreciate stillness and the parts of our world that are still beautiful, a sort of pleasure activism. My work is a reminder to never stop being humbled by the strangeness and gorgeousness of the natural world, whose strength we need to keep fighting the good fight. Lana Apisuk, a photographer who works with BKC and is a founding member of Scene Collective, had this to say about her work. Photography is my medium of choice and is a way for me to connect with my community and share stories about the people living in it. Whether it's a march for Black Lives or portraits of skateboarders in Bushwick, I feel my camera is the greatest tool to quickly convey ideas and engage people socially and emotionally through the visuals I'm making. Oh, I love getting really close to these pieces. There's some really cool artists here, so we want to give some quick credits. On this wall, we have the artwork of Tres Gatos, Ana Pastor, Fatherless, George Bonaccio, Lana Apisuk, Molly Tenzer, Samuel Glover, and Valerie Ottaviano. All of these artists and more are on our website. When we talk about investing in a community, we like to look for businesses that have roots in the community. BKC and Mayday Space are two local creative and community-invest spaces in Bushwick. We asked Justin Lane of BKC and Patti Rodriguez of Mayday Space to talk about how their centers invest in community and organize creatively and politically. Bushwick to me is still 
it's still predominantly black and brown, you know, we're still here and we're still fighting to stay, to keep our homes, you know, and to be here and, you know, for all our families, for our culture, everything here. And I think Bushwick right now is just a very uh, multicultural, you know, place. I think it's also important just like, you know, to be able to come consciously, I guess, into a neighborhood to integrate yourself into the community and, and get to know your neighbors really personally and to humanize that experience, you know, living here instead of like being really keeping to yourself and like not really socializing with your older neighbors. But Bushwick is dope. Bushwick has a lot of music and culture too. And it's always been that way. It's not because just because it's gent- getting so gentrified now, it's always been a big musical hub area for underground punk, Latinx music, or like underground so that's like what Bushwick is to me. And I guess also because just I grew up here my whole life. And, you know, since I was like a little girl, I've been here and I went to school here. And, you know, it's just, it's home. It really is home. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a pretty deep relationship with this neighborhood as well. I've lived here for about 13 years. Um, lived in New York for about 22 years. Uh, so over that time, a few different neighborhoods. Um, and you know, it's funny, you said weaponizing art, that's a really interesting term because uh, it really is the way that it's been um, a pretty similar process happened in a few different neighborhoods. You know, artists go first and then a few other forces. And then by the time you blink, it's developers killing all kinds of old houses. And it's an interesting time too now, you know, because some people are leaving and that may provide more avenues for people uh, who didn't get a chance to really, you know, settle down here or maybe who got pushed out um, to maybe relocate here again. Uh, so we'll see, you know, it's a really interesting time. Yeah, totally. Let's hope. Um, yeah, it is a difficult time. I feel like right now there's been a lot of changes coming through, uh, especially with the pandemic hitting us so hard and still, like I said, this neighborhood still being so predominantly you know, people of color and working class people of color. And, you know, those are the folks who are going to be, who were hit the most. Um, but, you know, the, a lot of the folks here are undocumented and they haven't been able to receive anything, um, you know, uh, to, to support or, or help them or their families. You know, it's, it's, it's really sad. A lot of the small businesses are closing, you know, in the area that have been here for a long time. A lot of people die, you know, it's just... The good thing about Bushwick, yeah, because, you know, people have been pushed out for so long and only recently people started fighting back, I feel like, visibly, you know. Um, for a few years, they were, there were tenant unions who have, who have come and gone, I feel like. Um, and now, recently, after the pandemic, a lot of different ten- tenant uh, associations have come up. A lot of people are, are going on strike in different buildings. So, you know, it's really great to see that because, like, that's something that we needed a long time ago. I've been hearing about uh, people within buildings, uh, you know, sticking out for each other and, and organizing building-wide strikes in the case of evictions. And you know, when when people are in a difficult situation, it is a good opportunity to meet your neighbors, to talk to them about their situations, and maybe to find a way to help. You know, um, there is an imbalance between uh, the services provided to the more wealthier communities who exist here as well, uh, versus the poor and, and minority communities. Um, and in a way, uh, we, we both are under the kind of uh, heavy thumb of, of larger developers, bigger landlords, think people who have a little bit less stake in our lives. Um, so 
uh, what are some ways that you are actually like organizing with your community uh, right now? Like what are some things that are some needs that you feel uh, are important to address? So there's a lot of different needs actually happening in Bushwick that I feel like need to be addressed all at the same time. Um, you know, yeah. uh, now I work with this organization called the Mayday Space. I'm, I'm one of the uh, collective members of the Mayday Space. Um, and, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of our members uh, started doing mutual aid work within and we opened the doors to create to have uh, bagging with the Bushwick Ayuda Mutua folks. Um, or Bushwick Mutual Aid. Um, so at that point, you know, we just, our response to the pandemic was to kind of start trying to feed the community. Uh, Mayday at the time, bagging groceries for a lot of the uh, NYCHA housing in Bushwick. So we, that was one of the things that started happening. We also started developing literature um, uh, resources. We were just kind of putting them together, just packets of like legal resources, mental health resources for housing and immigration, you know, different things, policing, you know, if it just for protesters. So we, we, we were putting in materials within uh, these groceries so that it can get to the community that are most being affected. So through that, we got to know more of our neighbors, you know, to uh, meet more of our neighbors and speak with them about like these neighbors who are most impacted by these uh, societal injustices. <laughs> Another thing that's happening right now in Bushwick is that there's a pipeline that they're building through, through Bushwick, a fracking pipeline. And really? that's to say, yeah, this pipeline is almost finished through Bushwick already, construct, being constructed. You know, fracked gas is actually extremely explosive and it's going under schools, it's going under daycares, it's going under like our homes, right? Like we have created an alliance of different like grassroots organizations in Bushwick called the Frack Out of BK, Frack Out of Brooklyn. Um, so we've been doing more of doing more political education on this pipeline because people don't know it happened. It's not like they came and asked for our consent to bring this like poisonous thing that's gonna it's gonna contaminate our water because it goes through through the ground. Yeah, so that's happening and people don't know it's happening. Like you I know, didn't know it was happening. Yeah, yeah. It was and the this first I ever heard of it. Yeah. Uh, given that we're a lot of us are having to stay inside for most of the day. It's harder to access these types of like flyers and normal things that we come across in our daily lives. So, uh, how how is the are, are there groups that are set up specifically towards online distribution of this message, or are are you guys specifically handling it? How's that working? Well, so right now, Made Space, we've been doing trainings, different types of trainings. Like when when the protests were starting, you know, with you know for abolition work, we've also been doing a lot of kind of that kind of work, um, more on the arts side, where we've been creating art builds. Like me specifically with Made Space, I've been um, helping to coordinate art builds every other week at a local garden with uh, one of our you know homies, uh, resident artist, you know, Crystal Clarity, who's really dope, who's also from Brooklyn, and we've been doing these art builds where we've been creating screen prints and giving it out to the community you know we've had art builds where we've even invited children to come and help you know paint some of the screen prints and things like that so and at maria hernandez park so we do that kind of thing supporting with like visuals basically for protest the made space is now going to start um like there's going to be some classes that they're that we're starting to put out like one of them is going to be the uh, race class and revolution class that's a workshop that's going to be done um for the next six weeks. So classes like that that are happening for folks to kind of like, you know, because folks have been inside and, you know, I guess doing with everything that's happening politically and just seeing the TV and social media, we want folks to like really go, like we need folks to start like really getting 
into politics and like really analysis of like what's happening. And um, so we're, we're starting to create trainings. Yeah, I, I was actually curious because our main occupation is education and creative education mostly, but in doing that, it's trying to build a, 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 a safe place to, to express oneself, you know, to have a voice for each person. Uh, photography is a very immediate way to do that. I believe one of the questions was, you know, what is something of um, particular importance right now? Like, you know, what mission or objective? And, and for us, that really has been voting, uh, is to make sure that information about voting is out there, that is accurate, um, that people are able to find out whether where they're going to vote, how they're going to vote, that absentee and, and vote by mail ballots are, they have the deadlines in front of them. Is that something that you've been talking to people a lot about in your community about, you know, the importance of this particular cycle of elections or you know, what are your thoughts on that? So the Mayday Space uh, Collective is made up of a, a few of us. It's not just me. There are eight of us on the collective, I believe now, and are of different, I guess, political le leanings. Um, not, not so, I mean, we're all on the left, definitely on the very left, but, uh, I'm definitely on the further scale of like the anarcho commie, so I'm not the best person to ask about elections. Um, so yeah, I guess like right now, I think there will be some talks about the elections and stuff. I think there will be virtual programming, I think, on that and also just like surviving fascism if that's what's going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of kind of ambivalence towards this election because, you know, on the one hand, you know, we want certain things to change. On the other hand, is not enough, you know, it could never really be enough to satisfy uh, all the problems that are we're facing in the in the coming years. So, well, I have a I have a kind of uh, sort of tangential question, which is like there with all the things that have been negative and difficult and really, you know, in many ways devastating. Um, I'm just curious, is there anything that you're excited about right now that you could share? I really could use something to, to feel excited about. So if you know of anything. I think, what am I excited about? I'm excited the most about uh, people, more people, new people coming into our spaces to give, like to, to support by, uh, you know, giving whatever uh, tools they have basically at their disposal, right? So they're, they're actually like helping you know, they're bringing their skills sets, they're bringing, you know, like if we need a car to drive, to do things that we need to deliver things, you know, that they support with that, you know, there's just people who are just, you know, ready to volunteer and do the work, I think. And I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to people doing more eviction defense in, in mass. I'm looking forward to that. I think that's coming. Um, I'm looking forward to more people because they're getting activated and they're, you know, being, they're, you know, they're becoming braver, they're becoming emboldened to really act and, and fight for their rights and for those around them and not, not just think about themselves anymore, right? It's like, and that's I think, the important piece where it's like, they're, they're returning the means of production to those of us who never were, had much access to it, I guess, right? And that's important. That's the most important part to think about all this and, and to understand that the root of everything is, you know, it's a class struggle. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to like, you know, all these folks like growing politically and, and developing like and right now they're doing traditional. Maybe they're going to go into like further other things. Right. That's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Young people are are 
I, I think this year in, during the protest, the first time I really saw them clearly, uh, the, the newest generation, I'm talking like people 15 to 25, right? These are young people who are coming up completely like, you know, online, understand a little bit more about how that works. But, you know, they still got soul. They have something inside them that needs to, to you know, defend justice and to, and to care about other people. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I see these young people. It gets me excited because I know, you know, my generation kind of fucked up. You know, no offense to us, but, you know, we didn't get it done, really. Like, and it's, it's cool to see that there's other people with new ideas who are, say, joining your operation or wanting to express themselves, you know, with, with, with our organization. And uh, even just being able to cross over between those two things, you know, someone who does a little bit of both. So, yeah, the, the thing that I would say that I'm excited about is it's not necessarily based on like a bunch of positive energy, but more like I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Uh, what the pandemic has brought to us and to me, especially and to a lot of people I know, is that it's forced us to think about things in a new way. And to maybe let go of some of the like preconceived notions and myths that we had held on to for so long about America, about our lives, about work, about class, about race, and open ourselves up to new ideas because, you know, these old ideas ain't working for us, you know, like they haven't been working for some time. So, um, and uh, yeah, and, you know, I hope that I get a chance to, to work with Mayday Space again. That's the only way we're ever going to get anywhere is when, once we start collaborating for real, like, and, totally. and sharing this and sharing, you know, the means of production. You know, a lot of folks come, and this is a settler thing, I think. It's like, sure. come and I'll make something totally new here. You're like, but yo, but do you, did you see if any of it was kind of already here so that you could go and support that work and then help it develop? Look for them. Look for the, the local organizations that are doing the cool work and, like, go and volunteer there because we need that capacity right now. Like, we need more capacity to do the work that we need to do, right? So there's a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. You hear them. Get involved. They need you. We need you. You can make a difference. Getting involved in local community organizations is really important. There's a lot of power in grassroots movements, and we are in an especially critical time right now with the rise of fascism in this country. Voting for a change in the White House is very critical in the lives of many vulnerable people who rely on health care access, asylum or visas, right to an abortion, labor rights, environmental protections, and much more. And don't forget about the power of the Senate and House, which has the ability to sway a president's politics, if that president believes in the balance of government. Artists definitely have a role in disseminating public information on issues. We have seen the power of images, design, and music. In a moment, we will share our interview with Emmeline Payette. But before we do that, we wanted to play you music from a Brooklyn-based music group. This is La Mecánica Popular, Part 2 and 3, Descenso y Abra. Enjoy it.
I love the blend of rhythms and experimental sounds of La Mecánica Popular. To listen to the full version of this song and many other great tunes, find La Mecánica Popular on Bandcamp and Spotify. We talked with Emmeline Payette, an artist with a background in environmental anthropology who uses visual language to educate. We talked about how community and activism are essential practices in her work. Why I moved to Bushwick was because of the humans that were here. Like, there is also an amazing art scene of, like, people that are just, like, total visionaries and so incredibly talented and, like, generous and experimental and just really had me excited to live here. And I'm not a city person. Like, I like the woods. But because of the community that is here, like the arts community, the activist community, the longtime community, I, I think that having all of that um, be very present in my life has really made me a non-city human happy to be here. So it's just been a place that has like some really nice longtime roots, but then also a lot of like new vitality as well. My upstore neighbor has her name carved out on the sidewalk, and it's dated 87. Her and um, her son live above me, and then there's several other families also in my building that are longtime residents. They're really sweet, older Spanish speakers, so my communication with them isn't wonderful with everyone just because of a lack of my Spanish-speaking ability. But we still manage to have like these really lovely, sweet little friendships and Gloria, um, my neighbor, does speak um, English beautifully, so her and I have um, a nice relationship as well, a nice friendship. Um, she's also a lover of plants, so her and I will um, talk about plants. Um, I planted up a little street tree pit outside of my apartment, and so the neighbors have really enjoyed that, and there's now a bench there as well. How do you relate to the term art activism? Uh, art activism is definitely very much part of my practice now. I see art as a tool to express big cultural phenomenons, and I think activism also does that. And I like to use visual language to help educate people about the issues that I am concerned about. So my background is in environmental anthropology, so when I was doing work researching as an environmental anthropologist, a lot of what I focused on was sort of the impact that colonialism, colonial culture has had on the ecosystems, noticing the absence of Aboriginal and Indigenous voices and caring for the land. And so that was what I was focused on in terms of my practice as an environmental anthropologist. And then I think it really relates directly into my art practice as well, where I'm dealing with issues of ecological issues and how the whole system of capitalism and colonialism and how those cultural practices and ideas and paradigms impact our ecosystems. And so the more and more I looked into that within my practice, I also wanted to use that space to introduce other people to these ideas. 
So using materials that are like records of consumption, so plastic bags, and I also use receipts, and then collecting those materials from my community so people have to have that interaction where I'm collecting their trash. Um, A word that also has been, I think, really relevant to my practice and that I've been learning more about in terms of its power in indigenous belief systems is reciprocity. So really thinking about reciprocal exchanges and how I can use that interaction as a way to create exchanges of ecological thinking or exchanges of ecological action. So trying to use art making as a way to redistribute wealth to communities in need. One of the projects that I've been able to raise a bit of money for is the Navajo Nation Water Project. And so that's getting clean running water to Navajo Nation, which has been greatly impacted by COVID as well as ecological injustices and many other injustices. How can other people just begin to make their art practice a little bit more about community? How can we really kind of make our art practice about other people? And this is like something like I am no expert in this. I am working on this myself, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm going through identity crisis like every day. (laughs) So it's something that I don't know if I have necessarily all the answers to. But for me, I think, and this is central to my practice as well, is decentering yourself. Um, So when you think about ecological issues, it's really not like individual focus, it's interconnection. You're trying to engage with other artists and non-artists and having conversations about each other's feelings and it being like a open dialogue and researching and keeping yourself informed. Like I research like so intensely. (laughs) I think that the more you research too, the, the more it motivates you to take action and to express what everyone's dealing with. Capital value doesn't always reflect the social and spiritual value of a lot of work. So I think that really just like keeping the focus on like interconnection and community and like greater good and like removing the importance of your individual, like, and we're all important individuals, like that's what makes it so beautiful. But I think that, you know, to have so much work that's just like so ego focused can really block you from creating work that is more active for the entire community. One of the other parts of my practice that might be relevant to this conversation is um, like stewardship. And so one of the other parts of my practice that I'm really interested in is planting out the neighborhood. Unfortunately, just today, um, there was a a sunflower patch that got ripped up, but it was growing there for um, all summer. And there was tons of like bees and birds and um, sunflowers are extremely beneficial. They're bioremediators. They lift heavy metals out of the soil and then create habitat and food for all sorts of pollinators. So I think that also thinking about in whatever space we're in and inhabiting is like, how do we 
hold good stewardship to like the humans and the non-humans in this space. So that's also, I think, relevant to the conversation that we're having about community and neighborhoods and ways that activism can come up. What Emeline is saying, it makes me think about my neighbor, Theo. He has been living in the neighborhood for more than 25 years and he gives away plants. What I think is a really nice way to share. And also I feel like he explained to you what this plant needs and how he was taking care of it. So I think it's really nice to give someone else a piece of life that you were having in your house and just give it to someone else. The importance of greenery and kindness of neighbors cannot be undervalued. There are studies that show how important these are. These studies also once again highlight inequality. And this is a great time to get involved and make a change. We can make a change. Let's do it together. Yeah, let's become better neighbors. Let's create more green spaces. We really want to make sure that the future is better for everyone. Find out more about the organizations, individuals, and music in this episode by visiting our website where we have links to upcoming classes at BKC, workshops at Mayday Space, links to initiatives that we talked about in this program. And for those who are able to, we also have links to places to make donations. For those listening in Bushwick and want to stick around, we have some suggestions of places to go and get food or drinks. If you're craving breakfast or lunch, we recommend CM Coffee Shop. It's around the corner from Mayday Space. This place has been in the area for some time and served delicious food. If you are settling in for the evening, check out the Star Bar, a social justice-focused venue and sister place of Mayday Space. They host a lot of events for good causes such as fundraisers, political forums, art shows, live music. You definitely should check it out. Thank you to Justin Lin of BKC, Patin Rodriguez of Mayday Space, Mikasa Resiste, and Emmeline Payette. You can find more information about them, their programming, resources, and ways to invest in these ideas and causes on our website. The music in this episode was by La Mecánica Popular. Our original title track and other beats were created by Nick Jost. Thank you to recording support by Max Linsky and Brooklyn Arthury. Thank you to Rahel Viru, Josh Carrera, Nell Archer, Vince Anderson, Mayday Space, Bushwick Abbey, and Iglesia de la Santa Cruz for your support on this project and welcoming our installation. We'd love to hear from you about how you're experiencing Paper Girl Brooklyn. So find us on social media or send us an email. Tag us in your Instagram post at papergirlbk or send us an email or a two-minute audio clip your experience with this project to papergirlbk at gmail.com. You might just hear yourself in our final episode. So do it! Paper Girl Brooklyn is sponsored in part by the Greater New York Arts Development Fund of the New York City Development of Cultural Affairs, administered by Brooklyn Arts Council, BAC.